What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? I am your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening to a brand new episode of the Quarterly Report Podcast. And yo, we've got a hell of a show lined up for you guys this week. The NBA Finals are tied up at a game apiece before heading to Oakland for Game 3. I'm going to break down everything that you need to know as this series shifts to Golden State. Also, Bradley Beal's name continues to swirl in the NBA trade market circles. But would the Wizards be foolish moving their all-star two guard? I will discuss all that and so much more. But y'all know damn well where I'm starting for our first topic this week. First quarter. You hear the music, so you already know where I'm starting. Oh my, and look, y'all know I love boxing. And when, when it comes to boxing, man, like anytime you step in the ring, like you are literally putting your life and your your quality of life every single time, right? You, you It's a cliche in the sport, but every time you step in the ring, a piece of you doesn't come out when you do, right? So I do kind of pause before I, I, I crack jokes on any boxer because, look, none of us are cut. Like, we're not cut from that claw, right? We all got our jokes off. Andy, Ru- Andy Ruiz is a big boy. He's got the little, the 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 breast roll on the side of his chest. That gent is crazy looking. So we crack jokes, but the 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 truth of the matter is, he's an elite athlete. He's got amazing hand speed, and he's a good. He's a hell of a boxer. We can argue about how good of a boxer he is, but slim. He's got one loss, and that one loss is versus one of the best heavyweights in the world, and that was a 12-round decision. And he's the heavyweight champion of the world, so we give him the respect that is due, and although we will get these jokes off, don't make don't make a mistake. These jokes are coming. I do think it's important that we at least give the caveat, like, yo, boxing is dangerous. So anytime we crack these jokes, understand, Bama's literally can die. You know what I mean? Like, I don't ever crack jokes about UFC fighters because, like, you are literally ch- playing chicken with death. I say all of that to say, damn, homie. Dog, last week you were the man. Homie. What the fuck happened to you, Anthony Joshua? Dog, Anthony Joshua, I look stupid. <laughs> Anthony Joshua's performance on Saturday got me feeling the type of way. I I pride myself. I say this all the time on this show. When I am wrong, I would readily admit it. I'm going to talk about Bradley Bill later in the show. I thought I couldn't be more wrong about any athlete currently than I was about Bradley Bill. And then Saturday night happened. And damn it, Bradley Bill is he's an afterthought now. I got up on my own podcast. I started my own podcast. And one of the very first topics I discussed, because I am such a diehard boxing fan, was how I thought Anthony Joshua would beat Deontay Wilder. And I didn't say this flippantly. I truly believed it. I believed that in the the deepest part of my soul. And through everything that happened since... Everything that has happened since I've started this podcast years before, everything led me to that conclusion. Deontay Wilder 
hadn't fought any elite level competition with the exception of his last two fights. Well, before Brazil, Tyson Fury, Luis Ortiz. Those two fights are the only fights worth mentioning when it comes to Deontay Wilder. He's a flawed fighter. He does not box very well. He's an extremely athletic fighter, and he's got the best punch in the sport. But I was convinced that a boxer could beat Deontay Wilder, particularly if you had a boxer who had the athleticism, had the power, and had hand speed to give him that type of stamina and conditioning. Anthony Joshua gets in the ring on Saturday in the biggest fight stateside. Obviously, the biggest fight of his career was the Klitschko fight. There's just nothing that's going to top that. And I don't know if anything tops it now, considering the events that did happen in Madison Square Garden. But this fight was a huge fight for not only him, but for a brand. Last week, I talked to you guys about how important in, in the movement the zone was building. And I still think, right, I still think even with Anthony Joshua uh, taking this type of loss, the zone is still in good standing. I think that their product is elite. Uh, when you look at the the pay-per-view, just from the broadcast, right? Showtime's broadcast, I guess you would say pay-per-view-wise, would be the best. But I'm not, but I'm not a fan of Showtime's broadcast. It's not like HBO Sports. The Zone, you can't say it's number one because they literally just started a handful like a few years back. But they're gaining. Their announced crew is better than anyone's. Okay. Now that HBO is done, Brian Kenny and Chris Mannix are better than anybody else's boxing, you know, announced team, which says, which says more about Showtime and Fox, to be honest with you, and ESPN as well, because that shouldn't happen. It's not like, like Brian Kenny has ties to ESPN. I have no idea why ESPN did not have Matt, does not have Max and Brian Kenny and Roy Jones apart, or Andre Ward, a part of their uh, top flight boxing announce team. It's awful. What they have now is awful. And Fox is even worse somehow. So the zone gives you a good product. And look, I'm 36 years old. I have a young daughter. I'm saving for college. You know what I'm saying? I'm saving for all types. Of, like, I'm just saving. So... I'm almost at the point where I am a coupon cutter, right? Like, I'm penny pension slim. Every every discount that I can get, I maximize, bro. So when you're telling me I can have, for just $100 a year, I get, and let's remove Anthony Joshua from this list now because he his star has taken a significant damage. But even without Anthony, Anthony Joshua, we have Canelo, Golovkin, Inoue, and Yusik. We got four of the best six to seven fighters in the world on the zone as it stands right now. A new way probably leaves soon, but Mikey Garcia is making it pretty clear that he's on his way to the zone as well. So either way, seven of the best, or I'm sorry, four of the best seven to ten fighters are on this broadcast team. If you want, we know. Canelo fights every single DeMaio weekend and every Mexican Independence Day weekend in September. So those are two fights. Canelo's not going to fight on television anymore. You know what I mean? If he's on the zone or he's on pay-per-view. 
So let's say you want to watch Canelo Alvarez fight. That just going to cost you fifty to sixty dollars if you're paying pay per view. Those two fights pay for itself on the zone. I'm not a the zone salesperson. I'm not trying to sell it to you, but I believe in their product. Okay. But damn it. Even I, someone who believed in Anthony Joshua, somebody who believes in the zone, you gotta admit that was a hell of a night on Saturday. Match room and the zone took a beating. Their beating was worse than Anthony Joshua's. Dog, I still to this day don't I don't know. I don't know how that happened. And again, we give all the respect in the world to Andy Ruiz Jr. This is not to diminish. I got some jokes off Saturday night, and then some people, everybody's super sensitive now. If you wanna if you wanna question my boxing acumen and knowledge, we can do it. Whenever you're ready, okay? I understand that Andy Ruiz is a legit heavyweight. He is a legit contender. He's not a contender anymore. He's a champion. But, dog, we're not going to act like Anthony Joshua shouldn't have rolled Andy Ruiz. That should have been an easy contest. I told you about Parker, Joseph Parker and Ruiz's fight. Parker won, but it was a contested fight. Some people think that Ruiz won, whatever. AJ had no problems with Joshua. I'm sorry, with Parker. He had no problems. And I understand style makes fights. Styles make fights. But there's no reason that Anthony Joshua should have been gassed in the second round. Slim, they were massaging his neck in the corner after the first round. There's no, I've never seen, unless someone got beaten to a pulp in one round. I've never seen someone massage the neck the way that his corner was doing. Anthony Joshua has got the physique of an Adonis. Unfortunately, those muscles don't mean much in boxing, as evident from Saturday night. He comes into the ring, and, and this is something that he, str he, he struggled with this in Takam's fight. And I thought he got it under control. He started losing weight because he, he gassed in the Klitschko fight. He gassed in the Takam fight. He, get he tires easily, and it's something that it was obvious watching him in the past, and we thought that he cleaned that up a bit. And then this week, all we talk, all we heard about, Anthony Joshua had a profile at the undefeated. He's doing all this stuff for Hugo Boss, Jadakiss, all these, everywhere you turn around, Anthony Joshua, Anthony Joshua. And I'm not mad at that, right? He had all the makings of a superstar. Anthony Joshua looks like a star. He does. He speaks English. He's, char he's charismatic. My lady friends, they love him. And... He puts Bama's down. Like his knockout percentage up until Saturday was among the best in the sport. They were building something. They were building him up to be the, the face of the sport. Canelo had, occupies that space right now. But Anthony Joshua was coming. And everything was lined up perfectly. I talked about this last week. Man, the zone's talking about getting NFL Sunday ticket. They've already got a partnership deal with LeBron. So you know when the NBA contract is up, the zone is going to get in bed trying to get NBA rights. You know they, they got John Skipper running the ship. They got some baseball rights already as it stands. They've got, like I said, four of the best boxers in the world. And then just like that, man. Just like it's not even that he lost. It's how he lost. And there's nothing fluke about it. Dog Ruiz dropped him four times. Four. 
There are reports and rumors now that AJ got knocked down in sparring, bro. I don't, I don't know what is going on. I don't know what is going on. It's hard. I'm not going to speculate. But we really got to come to the point now where we have to question the toughness. The essence, I don't want to sound insensitive. Excuse me. Not the toughness. But we are now at the point where we question the resolve of Anthony Joshua. Look, I've had a few people that I know in the industry, kind of big names, hit me up over the last few days like, yo, Armand, talk to me about this Talk to me about this fight. Like, what does this mean? How does this move? What does this mean moving forward for Anthony Joshua? Because, again, Anthony Joshua was on the cusp of superstardom stateside. That's exactly what the point of this fight was. Come to New York. 20,000 at MSG. We're going to do this thing from to now to the end of time, unfortunately. We're going to compare Wilder to Joshua. Deontay Wilder is American. Deontay Wilder's last several fights have been in Barclays. He wasn't getting anything close to 20,000. Anything close. He was getting close to 10. Check the check the, the numbers at the Barclays for his last few fights in Brooklyn. He did well with the Fury fight, but that's a lot of UK fans over there. And if you watched that fight, you heard him. But look at this American fight. Andy Ruiz wasn't feeling MSG. That was stardom. Anthony Joshua on the cusp of superstardom. And just like that, it goes away. Bro, it's a cliche, but it is so true. You only get one time. You only get one chance to make a good first impression. And stateside, people were starting to look. You can tell the buzz was there. Look at the number of people who do not ever, who never speak about boxing, who have no idea about boxing. Talk about this fight still. And as a fan, I love it. It's a gift and a curse because so many people are talking about the sport, which is a good thing. I love it. I appreciate it. But we are at the point now where some people feel like they're experts, right? It's one of the reasons why I love my timeline and the people that I, I have gotten to know, whether it's through my personal workspace through this podcast, I've met, I've connected with a lot of you all through this podcast, and I appreciate the people who are honest. Again, I say this all the time. One of the things I, I truly like the most about my um, my sports stance, my stance with this podcast, or doing any other thing within the sports realm, is that I'm honest with you all, man. And if I ever get to the point, because I know. I'm a firm believer in speaking things into existence, and I feel it. I do feel like this pod is headed to really, really big and really, really great places. And if I ever get to the point where I start flexing like I can't be wrong, y'all who are listening to the show now, episode 105, don't even rock with me, young. Stop rocking with me because I don't deserve it because there's nothing more that I can't stand. And this is a word to the wise, yo. The, the sports people that you follow, the sports people that you listen to or watch, or maybe the people who are trying to get on via social media, if they can never admit when they're wrong, red flag, bro. Real big red flag. If they want to act like they can never be wrong or they hold on to something, or if they want to act like they know everything. I've got people on the radio talking about boxing, and you know they don't know what they're talking about. And that's cool. 
But at least that is, dog, if you hear me talk about hockey, I will let you know off the rip. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. It's one reason why I don't ever talk about it. You don't hear me breaking down baseball, you know, in, in strategy when it comes to baseball. I don't talk about that stuff because I don't know it. And that's okay. There are a lot of dope people that I follow. And Saturday night, there were a lot of people who I really appreciated. Like, yo, look, I'm not the biggest boxing fan or I'm not a boxing fan in the slightest. But this, blah, 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 blah. That doesn't, that doesn't make you any less of, a, of an intelligent sports mind. It just makes you honest. There were so many hot takes coming from people running their mouth on Saturday. Look, and I get it. It was a shocking turn of events. I had been telling you all for years that I thought Anthony Joshua would beat and easily beat Deontay Wilder. We got questions about AJ's chin now. Real questions. He's been dropped multiple. He got dropped multiple times in this fight. Klitschko dropped him. He's been hurt several times. And none of the people who've hurt him have anywhere close to the power of Deontay Wilder. And now we have seen AJ fall, man. And the psyche of a boxer, whew, it's tough. Because not only did he lose, not only did he get hurt, he got hurt at when the stakes were at its highest, right? New land, building up superstardom. He knew how important this fight was, not just because of the brand, but because of the potential that the fights, the subsequent fights were going to happen. There was a shot of Alexander Usyk's court or ringside when AJ lost, and he was like, yo, because he was seeing all the money that he was going to make go down the toilet. There are a lot of people mad because of Saturday night. And I'm not just talking about Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua. Deontay Wilder is mad. Don't, don't get it twisted. There was a hundred million dollar offer. Dog, this is not, we, this is nothing that we can argue anymore. <clears throat> like this is not something that can be argued. Anthony Joshua was playing games as it, when it comes to making a fight with Deontay Wilder a few years ago. But Deontay Wilder was playing games when it came to making a fight with uh, Anthony Joshua this year. They both are to blame. But Deontay Wilder, there's no three fights that you could put together in his past or in his future that will equal $100 million. There is not one. And he walked away from that. Slim. I'd be sick. There's real animosity between those guys. I get it. But there's also life generational changing money. A hundred million dollars for three fights. And I'm not dismissing what it takes to get yourself prepared mentally, physically, and emotionally for one fight. Don't get me wrong. I'm not dismissing that at all. But it's still... $100 million for three fights, and he turned it down. Oh, my God, I'd be sick. I'd be sick. Not as sick as Eddie Hearn. Maybe more sick than Jarrell Miller. What a clown. We ain't get. I don't have enough time to talk about him, and there's no point to talk about him. But ultimately, I was wrong. Mia Coppola, I led you guys 
astray. I led you down the wrong path. I believed in Anthony Joshua. I feel like Obi-Wan Kenobi in the end of Revenge of the Sith after he done lit Darth uh, Anakin's ass up. Like you were the chosen one. Slim, we haven't had an, an exciting crop of heavyweight fighters. God knows how, since what? Tyson Holyfield? And this is not no disrespect to Lennox. Lennox was a hell of a fighter, but he didn't have that excitement. And we were there. We were right there. We were so close. And even with Fury, who's not an exciting fighter, he's at least, he's got the personality. And we had three of them with Usyk on the way up, who could be better than all of them. And in one moment, in one moment that is still hard to believe now, days later, everything changes. Everything. Whew. Got me out here looking stupid in front of my, in front of the listeners. Joe, I was, I couldn't believe it on Saturday. I was like, dog, are you serious? No disrespect to Andy Ruiz, but that should not have happened. I don't care what anybody says. That should not have happened. I don't know where Anthony Joshua goes from here. I don't know if he's cut out for it. And again, that's no shade, bro. Imagine getting beat in the world. Imagine getting hurt, number one. You lose to anybody, your pride is going to take a hit. That's just life. But now imagine everyone is laughing and talking about you, and you've lost millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. That is not hyperbole. That one night cost him hundreds of millions of dollars. That's a lot to overcome, let alone getting back in the ring with somebody who beats you up. Bro, there's not many of us who are cut of that cloth. There is not many of us who could be a professional boxer. And then add on to that, being almost at the mountaintop and following all the way down. You think you got enough in you to get back up and climb back up again? It's easier said than done. I want to hear from you guys. I really do. Because I'll, I'll be talking about this fight all year, for the rest of the year. Like I, that's it. <laughs> like I tweeted it out Saturday night, man. The NBA is by far my favorite sport. It's always been my favorite sport. It'll always be. But man, when boxing is right, and damn it, I've got a love-hate relationship with boxing. But when boxing gets it right, man, there's nothing better. So I want to hear from you guys, man. What do you guys think about the heavyweight division? Do you think Anthony Joshua has what it takes to bounce back? Where do you see what? Dog, I haven't even talked about Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury scheduled the rematch Friday, and no one's talking about it. That's nuts. Huge. I don't know what. Boxing is drunk, dog. I don't know what Tyson Fury is doing. Deontay Wilder, I don't know what his thought process was. Now it doesn't really matter because Anthony Joshua fell, right, in spectacular fashion. But I don't know what Deontay Wilder was trying to put together taking this fight. I don't know why Tyson Fury decided to go with top rank before making the rematch after the fight in December. I don't know what's going on with anything. There's also right ramifications with the possible Spence Bud fight because top rank and PBC are working together for Wilder 
Fury. There's so much more to talk about when it comes to boxing. And I'm not going to just do, this is not going to be the boxing podcast. But this was the number one story for me, and I know for many of you all. I'm going to talk about Spence and Bud next week. But, yo, throughout all the chaos that happened this weekend, so much excitement exists. And though we got a lot of people faking like they're experts, like they're customado, it's great for the sport. It's absolutely great for the sport, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see what else 2019 has in store. It's been amazing thus far. Keith Thurman should have lost. Charlo lost. Uh, Heard lost. Though we ain't even in July. The first week in June. <laughs> yeah. But back to my point. Let me know, man. Let me know what your thoughts are on the sport, where things stand, what happens next with Wilder and Fury. Can AJ bounce back? And if you want to ask me about Spence and Bud, and if that's this means that we actually could get the next super fight, right? I'm open. I want to hear it all. My boxing heads. This is a place for you guys. And if you're just now kind of starting to get in the mix when it comes to boxing, hit me up as well, man. Tweet at me at quarterly show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E show, or email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Bro, again, I love the sweet science, and this was a hell of a weekend. Good and bad, but just great for the sport and exciting in the sports world landscape. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts and questions. And if you have anything for me, I'll make sure to answer them next week. All right, y'all. That's a supersized first quarter, but it was worth it. But second quarter is up next. And damn it, it's also something that I've been wrong about in the past. Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's our second topic this week. Second. So I mentioned this earlier. And before Saturday night, the one thing that I was the most wrong about when it comes to sports was Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill had an impressive season this year. And really, he strung along three really, really good seasons, much better than his first four. And after his fifth season, I was like, all right, y'all got it. I was wrong. Not that I feel like I was wrong about Brad's first four seasons. I still think, and I will argue this all day, that his first four seasons were not great the way people make it up to be like points per game if you if you're if you're assessing a player's talent based off of points per game you're doing it all wrong okay bradley bill did not show growth in rebounding or assists his turnovers and assists were always tied throughout his first four years and in reality his assist to turnover ratio is still really bad um he'll get a lot of assists but again those turnovers are linked you know two to one isn't good assist to turnover ratio and Brad's not even there but again this is not me knocking Bradley Bill because Bradley Bill has turned himself into a fantastic NBA player and because of the landscape in the NBA Bradley Bill is a commodity a hot commodity and living in the DC area it was a regional thing I, I, I don't I've talked to friends of mine who live throughout the country and before January, let's say, right? There wasn't really a lot of talk when it came to Bradley Bill. It was like, oh man, he and John think they real nice, but they da 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 da, right? They always run their mouth, but ba da 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 da. It was always, yeah, but, right? And then he went on a tear from December throughout, basically almost throughout the, the rest of the season. And now we're seeing kind of the line in the sand being drawn because there is a real um building 
coalition, a real building group of people and thoughts that think that the Wizards would be, it would be in the Wizards' best interest to move Bradley Bill. But there's also a, a almost a, a response that is also growing in almost an identical way of people defending Bill. Like, no, the Wizards have to keep him, right? If the Wizards trade Bradley Bill, what are they going to have? You can't trade players who are all NBA or near all NBA players and have success. Well, let me stop you right there. I think I've made it clear in the past. Like I, I'm not going to say the Wizards should or shouldn't do anything. But walk with me here as, as I try to paint this picture because I think the answer does exist if we are going to be honest. Self-assessment, proper self-assessment is so important in all aspects of our lives, right? Even in something as trivial as your favorite professional basketball team. So if you are a Wizards fan, play along. And if you're not, also walk with me and participate in this kind of thought exercise. Because I think if we are going to be honest, the answer is pretty clear. You have to start with this. As constructed with the Wizards' current situation, and that means limited cap space, minimal assets, right? The Wizards have five guys on the contract for next season. Of them, only one, Troy Brown Jr., is on a rookie-scale contract. The young players that they have, like Sadoransky, like Thomas Bryant, they're in line for a big payday. So Thomas Bryant... The front office did wonders finding him. But unfortunately, right, it's not going to break the bank to get Thomas Bryant or to re-sign him, but it's going to cost a lot of money. And Ted has already shown us via the Markeith Morris trade and the Otto Porter trade, he will do something to save money, even if it's not for the good of the team. I cannot stress this enough. Ted has made the circles. He's made the rounds. And again, because the people who have the largest platform in D.C., they love hockey more than they love the NBA. Anytime Ted does something, people start gushing over it. It is inexcusable to trade a first-round pick for Markeith Morris. And this is not hindsight. I said it at the time. Check it up. You can hit either one of my Twitter feeds and just search my name, quarterly show, whatever, Markeith Morris. It comes up. And I was arguing with a lot of people who still cover this team to this day. And people want to act like, it. you know, it's funny what happens, right? People are real, real loud, but then when they're wrong, they don't do what I do when it comes to Bradley Bill. I admit when I was wrong. There's some people out there who want to pretend they don't, like they didn't say Markeith Morris was worth a first round pick. But we're going to keep that on the low. Friends of this program also, but you know, whatever. I ain't petty, so I ain't going to name any names, but y'all can find out if you want. I digress. The Wizards traded a first-round pick to get Markeith Morris. Whatever. We can argue about whether that was smart or not. Whatever. Only less than a handful of years later, like three years later, they have to move a second-round pick just to trade him, although he's in an expiring contract. Think about it. They attached an asset. Forget about how you feel about second round picks. A second round pick is still an asset. They attached an asset 
to move Markeith Morris in his in his contract year for a player who's he, who's worse than him. Markeith Morris will play in the league next season. Wesley Johnson, big three. <laughs> you know he, if it's not next season, it's coming. Markeith is better than Wesley Johnson. So why on earth would you trade a second round pick just to move Marquise Morris? Oh, I know why. Because everybody knew Ted was trying to get underneath the luxury tax. He wanted to save money. You trade Otto Porter, and I do not feel like getting into an argument about Otto Porter. Y'all know how I feel about Otto. I think Otto was criminally underrated here. But even if you don't think Otto Porter is as good as I do, Otto Porter is not a salary dump. He is a valuable asset. There were multiple teams, Sacramento, Utah, two of them, and obviously Chicago, who wanted Otto Porter. You trade Otto Porter, you don't get any picks back, not even a second-round pick. You don't get any young players back on a team-friendly contract, on a rookie-scale deal. You don't get any, You trade Otto Porter for one guy headed to restricted free agency and another guy who... Yes, you do have a team option, but if you exercise the team option, it's going to cost you money to keep them. The Wizards are, are eyeing a real possibility of not having either Bobby Porter's or Jabari Parker next season. So you would have traded Otto Porter, someone who had value, for nothing. It makes no sense. So I don't want to hear people give Ted an attaboy. Nah. You fired Ernie. Congratulations, bro. You get no love for that because you allowed Ernie to continue to stay here. I've said it before. Guns in the locker room, everybody had to go. Ernie, too. All of them. Forget about the bad picks. Forget about the trades. Forget about the bad signings. He shouldn't have lived past guns in the locker room. Never. That should have never happened. So the Wizards have no cap space. Or I'm, they have cap space, but it's very little. They can go over the salary cap to re-sign their many free agents this offseason. But they've got to fill a roster. And they don't have any money to bring in a significant upgrade. If you want to bring back Thomas Bryant, which I think should be a slam dunk, I think it's going to cost you. I think it's going to cost you right around nine-plus million dollars, your mid-level. I really do. Because there are a lot of smart teams that look at Thomas Bryant and like, oh, hold on. This guy is 22, 23. He's barely played any NBA minutes. And every time he was on the floor, he got better. Sure, he's not a great defensive player yet. But let me know any player who's played less than 82 games. Show me the guy who's a great defensive player before they played a full season or two. Just very rarely does it happen. He can shoot the three. He can run the floor. He can finish above the rim. And he can block shots. If you don't think the Milwaukee Bucks, the Houston, dog, there are a lot of smart teams who will make a run at Thomas Bryant. I promise you that. That's the one guy, though, that the Wizards can be like, look, even if we sign Thomas Bryant to nine million, he'll, the likelihood is that he'll overperform, outperform that contract. So, bong, that's a move. But there are no other young players who you'd be like, okay, that's a, that's a cost-controlled, team-friendly contract. There are no picks. 
So with this being the state of the Washington Wizards, ask yourself this question. I answer as honestly as you can. Do you think the Washington Wizards can be a consistent playoff team with Bradley Bill being the centerpiece of it? With this lack of help, you can't bring in anybody. If you think that if the answer to that question for you is yes, shout out to you. You are very op- you are more optimistic than I. I don't see it. I don't think that the Wizards will make the playoffs next season. I don't think the Wizards make the playoffs the season after that. I just don't see how you how you move the pieces. And maybe you're out there saying, "Yo, it's the Eastern Conference, right? It's not that hard." Okay, maybe you're right. Look at the Eastern Conference, though, and let's talk to me. Even if Kawhi leaves Toronto, the Raptors are still going to make the playoffs. They've got enough of talent, young talent and depth and a culture there that if Kawhi Leonard were to leave, I still think the Raptors make the playoffs. The Milwaukee Bucks, Chris Middleton can go. Guess what? They're still making the playoffs. Brooke Lopez can go. Guess what? They're still making the playoffs. No matter who you move from Milwaukee, they're still going. Philadelphia. If if Tobias leaves, they'll still make it. If Jimmy leaves, they'll still make it. As long as Ben and Joel are on that team, they may not be a three seed, but they're still going to make the playoffs. That's how that works. So there's no way unless both Ben and Joel and Jimmy leaves and Tobias leaves, that Philadelphia does not make the playoffs. So we keep on going. Indiana, guess what? Oladipo missed the majority of the season, and they still finished with the fifth seed. Damn near 50 wins. They're getting Depot back. There's no way they don't make the playoffs. Boston, Kyrie Irving could leave. Guess what? They're still making the playoffs. Go down the list. Brooklyn. They're still making the playoffs. That's six teams I just named. So you're telling me there's two spots. You look at Detroit and you look at Orlando. And you're like, okay, I don't know if either of those teams makes, makes the playoffs again. So there is a chance for the Wizards to move up. But, oh, oh, I forgot to mention, I don't know if you guys heard, there's this one team who may... Vegas says they've, they only won 17 games last year, but now Vegas says they've got the fourth best chance to win the championship next season. And Vegas don't really be playing like that with money lines. There's been rumors about some of the best players in the league both going to this team and then also trying to trade for Anthony Davis. I'm not going to say any names for fear of jinxing. But it's a strong likelihood that a 17-win team this past season makes the playoffs next year, right? I think we would agree that it's not too reckless to say that. So you're saying now there's only one spot. Are you certain that a team built around Bradley Bill will be better than Orlando? Will be better than Detroit? Will be better than Charlotte? Will be better than a young up-and-coming team like Atlanta? Are you certain? Because if you are not, oof, then you're saying you're going all in for two years from now, right? 
Bradley Bill's contract year. You're saying, you know what? If we can't make the playoffs this upcoming year, then that means Brad has one year left, and we got to go all in, ride on that one season. And this is the reason why that should scare you. Look at what the Chicago Bulls got when they traded Jimmy Butler. And then compare that to what the Minnesota Timberwolves got when they traded the exact same player. When you wait too long, you always take an L. I shouldn't say always. Tobias Harris, El, I, we've talked about this on this show too. Elton Brand od I don't know what the hell he was thinking trading all that for Tobias Harris. But outside of that, when you, when you can trade someone with two years and you wait and you let bad things fester, when you try to move them a year later, you always take an L. Almost always, I should say. Anthony Davis, the Pelicans should have traded him. They could have gotten whatever they wanted. The Knicks were, uh, were said to offer Dennis Smith both Mavericks picks. Their pick that ultimately ended up being number three. Mitch Robinson, Kevin Knox. Did I say Dennis Smith Jr. already? They were like, hey, take all of it. They're not offering all of that now. Boston basically say, yo, we we pretty much out of the, the race now because we're not going to give you Tatum. The Lakers can't give you as much as they wanted to offer you before because they traded old boy the center to the Clippers. All the people who were talking about, oh, man, the Pelicans should wait. Why? They all they got the number one pick anyway. So having Anthony Davis on their roster didn't affect them. So now you have to, they know they're going to take less than what they could have had had they moved earlier. Do you want to be that if you're the Wizards? Because again, I don't think the Wizards are going to the playoffs next season. I could be wrong. Maybe Dwight Howard balls out. Maybe Thomas Bryant, Troy Brown, all these guys, right? Maybe the ninth pick in the draft ends up becoming a superstar. Who knows? It could happen, but I wouldn't bet any money on it. And now the Wizards are faced with, okay, if we don't go to the playoffs next season, we've got one year to convince Bradley Bill to stay. And in that one year, who knows what happens? But then you got to ask yourself, after two years is up, either Bradley Bill goes and you trade it and you don't have anything to show for it, or you keep him and you got to sign him to another massive deal. And then there will be two years of John Wall at a Supermax and Bradley Bill, not at a Supermax, but still a large max contract. And you have very little money and resources to build around those two, two players that have shown you that when they were healthy, they can't make it to the Eastern Conference Championship in a watered down East. When there was really only one team that you had to worry about. Remember, the Wizards never got to play LeBron in the playoffs. They always lost to the team that LeBron beat. Lost to Indiana, lost to the Hawks, didn't make the playoffs, lost to the bad Celtics team, lost to the Raptors, didn't make the playoffs. That's six years, bro. If you think that the Wizards should keep Bradley Bill, okay, I ain't even mad at you. But you're going to have to tell me how that makes sense from a wins-loss standpoint because I don't see it. I don't.
And I want to. If you're telling me that playoff basketball comes back to D.C., yeah, I'm with it. I'm not a Wizards fan, but I root for I want them to win. I enjoy seeing the Wizards be successful. I got partners who eat more when the Wizards play better, right? Those playoff checks, they look better. They feel better. They're a little fuller in your wallet, in your bank account. I would be looking to move Bradley Bill. Absolutely. And that does not mean that he's a bad player. I think Bradley Bill would be an amazing two, second option. I think Bradley Bill would be a phenomenal third option. And look, everybody keeps talking about, oh, man, you know, I don't like the Lakers offer. And I don't think the Celtics are that interested in trading for Bradley Bill, but who knows? But I look at Spurs, the Spurs and the Nuggets to me. Oh, man. Oh, man. I like I like those choices. If I could call up the San Antonio Spurs like, yo, I want White, I want Lonnie Walker, I want number 19, and I'll take Patty Mills too just to make the salaries match. And I'll throw you to my Sadaransky, give me Bertans just to make the salary work out. Okay. So now I got my backcourt of the future. White, although He's about to come off his contract. It's not like you're going to have to spend $100 million to re-sign him. No, you could get him at a reasonable contract, a contract that he can outperform. And I'm big on White. A lot of people finally saw him for the first time in the playoffs, but he's been ball- he was balling all year. Lonnie Walker, you get him on a discount because he's coming off of surgery, but he was a rookie last season. So he's got three more team-controlled seasons before you have to pay him money. And because of the need, you get him at a discount. And I like Lonnie out of Miami. And I think if you got those two guys as your backcourt of the future, you're cooking with something. You get 19 from the Spurs as well. Okay. Patty comes off the bench. Bertans comes off the bench. And now you got young pieces that can move forward and hopefully outperform their contract. But I think White has could be an all-star in the Eastern Conference for sure. That's a move that I would look to do if I were the Wizards. Because it's not that Bradley Bill's not good. It's not that Bradley Bill's couldn't be special. I get, I hear this all the time. People say, yo, we trade Bradley Bill and watch. He'll be a superstar someplace else. Okay, yeah, that could happen. But what does it mean if he's not a superstar here? You know, I hear people do this with their significant others. Like, yo, man, you know. I broke up with her and now look at her. She with this other dude and she's, you know, her skin looking good. She got herself in shape. She got a good job, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Slim, what does it matter if she wasn't doing that when y'all were together? Sometimes unions just don't work out. If Bradley Beal cannot make you a championship contender on your favorite team, why does it matter if he goes to somewhere else and makes that team a championship contender? Y'all won't sniff it. Y'all won't make it to the playoffs with them. It is a hell of a gamble to say, you know what? I'm going to roll the dice. I'm banking on these next two years in D.C. that we will show him that we can be a contender because Bradley Bill is getting older. He's seeing his peers. Not only is he seeing his peers make the playoffs, he's seeing his peers go further in the playoffs than they've ever been. Kyle Lowry. Remember, the Wizards were supposed to be the best backcourt in the NBA. Well, Kyle Lowry's in the NBA Finals. Dame Litter and C.J. McCollum are another 
duo that's compared to the Wizards often. They made it to the Western Conference Championships. And now you got a new crop of young boys coming. Luca, Trey, De'Aaron, Donovan. Boys are coming. And Brad is like, dog, I was, I was once looked upon as the young kid who's special. Now, if he makes the playoffs, he's out in the first round. That can't feel nice. It is a hell of a gamble to say, you know what? With our limited cap space and with our lack of resources, we are going to build around Bradley Bill and we're going to be a playoff contender. It's a gamble. And if you feel the Wizards can do it, please hit me up and tell me how. Email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. Tweet at me at quarterly show because I'm not hating. This is not shade. I just don't see it, and I want to. The Wizards can't train anybody on their team and get anything. Outside of Bill, where's the asset? Where? How are you going to build around Brad with little picks and with very little money? Tell me. Show me. I'm asking. All right, guys, you've heard the horn. That means... It is halftime, but you know what? I went super long in the first quarter talking about Anthony Joshua, and I went super long in the second quarter talking about the Washington Wizards and Bradley Bill. So we're not going to have a halftime this week. Don't worry. Halftime will be back next week, and it will be something even special because they got two weeks to prepare. All right? But to save time, Joe, we are going to bounce back, right back in it. Adjustments have been made, and we're getting right back at it. And we, with our we've got third a great time. finals on our hands. You know, I was I was surprised at the number of people who thought that Golden State was just going to run through the Toronto Raptors. And I'm just thinking to myself, hey, you know, if you're basing this Warriors team off of the Warriors teams from the past, you need to go back to the lab and try to fix that. And if you're basing this Warriors team and how great they are based on what they did to the Portland Trail Blazers, you got to really reassess kind of your power structure in the NBA. No disrespect to the Blazers. It's a great organization, great fan base. We talked about it last week. That team was not an elite team. I think that team was probably the the fourth best team in the conference this year. But that's not to take anything away from them. They made an accomplishment, they made a goal, and they should celebrate it. But there is no way you could look at the Warriors' path in this Western Conference Finals or throughout the Western Conference playoffs and be like, yo, their test what they did was more impressive than what the Raptors did. Because what the Raptors did, forget about Orlando, but Philadelphia and Milwaukee, better than the teams that they played in the West. And yes, that includes Houston. So I was kind of taken aback by the number of people who were like, yo, the Warriors are going to win in four. The Warriors are going to win in five. And then a funny thing happened. Game one, the Raptors win. And they essentially went wire to wire. And this is one of the things you got to love about the NBA playoffs, bro. Because the, the same people who are like, yo, the Warriors are going to make easy work out of the Raptors. After game one, all of these people start saying, yo, the Raptors got this. And all you can do is laugh. We go from one extreme to the next in the NBA playoffs. And it happens every year. You would think one would be like, yo, maybe I should chill because this happens every year. But 
I'm not even going to devote more time on that line of thinking because to do so is to take away from the amazing basketball that we have on display in the finals. We've been so blessed and spoiled by LeBron, right? That we are unfamiliar what it's like to have two great teams. It's been so long since we've had two great teams, not two good players, right? Not two good players and two role players who are really good, but a team, a vision, a unit, right? Where if this guy does not play well, there are other guys who are readily available who can make an impact. And yes, Kawhi Leonard is better than everybody else on the Raptors, but that does not mean that Kawhi Leonard is the Raptors. We've gotten real crazy with some of the analogies that we've done in the lead up, in the build up of these finals, saying this Kawhi Leonard team is similar to the LeBron James Cavaliers team who went to the finals the first time. I know that Cavaliers team was trash. This Raptors team won 59 games last season. This team is really good. You've heard people say Kawhi Leonard, what he's done in the playoffs is reminiscent of what Allen Iverson did with the Sixers when the Sixers went to the finals in 2000. And I'm like, no, or 2001. And I'm like, no, AI's team is better than what a lot of people make it out to be. But that team still is not anywhere as good as this Raptors team. This Raptors team is really good, really, really good. And again, I said it earlier in the show, if Kawhi were to leave Toronto, the Raptors still make the playoffs. We saw what happened when LeBron left Cleveland both times. And if AI would have left the Sixers after that finals year, the Sixers wouldn't have made the playoffs either. We are so quick to kind of make a, a, a comparison. You know, chill. Everything doesn't need to be compared. The Raptors are not just a bunch of guys in Kawhi. No, no, no. This team is really good. And they present a lot of trouble to the Golden State Warriors. And yes, the Warriors are injured. The Warriors do not have a great bench. The Warriors are depleted. But the Warriors still are an amazing team. They are an amazing organization. And more than just the talent. And the talent, I shouldn't say more than the talent. The talent obviously gets them there. But as important is it's not just the talent, but it's also understanding their talent and putting their talent in the best positions for them to succeed. It happens in every sport. Draft a quarterback like, yo, we want him to adapt to our system. No. If you're a head coach or an offensive coordinator and you're this genius, tweak your system to meet the needs of your players. That's what you do. And that's what the Warriors have done. And they've done it at an amazing rate. I don't think people realize Steph Curry has the same number of rings as LeBron James. Steph Curry has the same number of rings as Larry Bird. Steph Curry has, as we stand right now, one less ring than Shaq, two less rings than Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant. Y'all better, y'all better get with it. Y'all better stop faking on Steph. It's like every time he has a bad game, not even a bad game, but subpar game, Bama's are ready to jump out there. Y'all can't say he's top. Nah, nah, nah. Steph Curry been top 10, bro. It's just now how far can he get up the ladder? I don't, I feel very comfortable saying that. Very. 
But I'm not going to get into a debate on where Steph Curry ranks all time because, again, that takes away from this finals. And this finals through two games have been amazing. There are so many games within the games here, man. So many storylines, and it's a shame. It's a shame that the NBA did not do a better job of preparing their fan base, the casual fans, for life after LeBron. Because so many people still act like the Raptors are just this this team with a bunch of guys who always fail in the playoffs. And because the NBA spends so much time talking about LeBron, and I get it, LeBron is LeBron. But I remember saying this back before Christmas. There was no reason why the Toronto Raptors should not have been playing on Christmas Day. None. Because now everybody talks about the ratings and people don't care that Nielsen doesn't count Toronto in the ratings meters, right? People don't care about it. They just hear the numbers. Oh, the NBA Finals are down 15, 20% from last year. And that's real. And yes, part of it is because, yes, the Raptors do not count in the Nielsen rating system. But you also want to know, I'm not trying to shoot the NBA bail for that. The NBA should have let people rem- they should have let people know, yo, Toronto's really good. And also, guess what? Kawhi is one of our best. I've been amazed by the number of people who are acting surprised at how good Kawhi Leonard is. Kawhi Leonard has been one of the best players for the last five years. Why is everyone so surprised? Why is everyone so surprised that Toronto actually poses real, legit matchup problems for the Warriors? They, pro- they pose real, legit matchup problems for everyone. Everybody on their team can defend. They send waves of players. Lowry can defend. But when he goes down, guess what? So can Van Vliet. Kawhi can defend. Danny Green can defend. Marcus Gasol can defend. When he goes down, guess what? So can Serge Ibaka. OG hadn't even played yet. And I don't know how much of a defensive player he could be coming off of his surgery. But if he's right, guess what? He can defend too. For the last year plus, I told you, man, going to five NBA finals is not an easy task. And at some point, that's got to catch up with the team physically. And what you're seeing now with the Warriors, Iggy's starting to fall apart, right? Sean Livingston's not the player he once was. Boogie's coming off of a surgery. And obviously, that's a different situation because Boogie... He wasn't on these championship runs. His his injury stems from something completely different. But Durant now, in his third year, got some injury issues. Looney, injury issues. Steph is sick. All of this stuff happens when you go to five straight. But it's a testament to the Golden State Warriors that even with that, they could have they folded in game two. The first part of that game, Toronto would look like they were mopping them. It was looking like, yo, the Raptors are just better. And what's the old Rudy T uh, saying? Never count out the heart of a champion because the third quarter hit in game two and the Warriors linked up like Voltron and got right back in this series. And man, I don't want to talk about the ratings. I don't want to talk about LeBron. I don't want to talk about Kawhi and the Clippers. I don't want to talk about Kevin Durant and Redacted. I want to sit and enjoy these last games. Because we're not going to get basketball. We're going to get the drama. We're going to get a lot of drama this offseason. We're going to get a lot of storylines. We're going to get a lot of Drake. We're going to get a lot of everything. 
we're not going to get that much basketball. And it's been so long, guys. It's been so long since we've had a finals where we've got two great teams. And I'm not using great in vain. I am not, I'm not being extra. I think the Toronto Raptors are a great organization. I think they've got a great president of basketball operations and Masai. I think they've got a great team. They've got great depth and they've got a great basketball city. And so, and everything I said about the Raptors applies to the Warriors, and that's obvious because they are going for their fourth championship in five years, bro. Stop talking to me about Drake. I don't care. I don't care. Stop talking to me about what Demar Derozan feels. I could not care less. He's out of there. Yeah, I'm interested on Kevin Durant, but I'll wait. I'll wait till July 1st. I'll be glad to. I don't want to hear all of this stuff anymore. Nope. Don't care. I want to sit back and enjoy these NBA finals because it is the way it is set up. It seems like we're going to get one of the best finals and that this is not hyperbole and this is not hindsight. I said it before the finals even started. It is gearing up to be one of the best finals in recent history. If you disagree with me, hit me up on Twitter, man. I'm at Quarterly Show, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E -E -E Show, or email me. I want to hear from you guys, man. Let me know your thoughts on games one and two, or you know what? After you hear this, right, email me and let me know your thoughts on what you think happens next in the series, because game three is right around the corner. And the finals could be very different because, yes, you know who should be coming back very, very soon, KD. I really wish you just sat this one out for personal reasons, but I understand it. But man, like, let's just enjoy it, Joe. Everything don't have to be hot takery. We don't have to compare. We don't have to debate. We don't have to do this and that. We can sit back, shut up, and enjoy. Let's try that. Before I sit up, before I sit up, what? Before I shut up and enjoy the next few days, including game three, I've got one quarter left. And that's how we're going to end the show with our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. I was looking for a topic that really kind of hit home and resonated with me for this last quarter. And I was going to start about Chernobyl, the show on HBO and it's, it's mini series. And if you haven't watched it, man, it's so amazing, but it's also quite sad. It's based on a true story on a chemical a nuclear plant, like outbreak that happens. And it's incredibly sad. And I was like, dog, I'm not going to end my show on a note like this. It's on HBO. I really highly recommend you guys watching it. You know what? As I'm talking to you guys, it it, it it dawns on me that each year around this time, I have a television expert on to kind of talk me through what I need to watch in, pre in preparation of basketball ending. And this isn't what the, this quarter is about, but briefly, that's it's about that time for me to do it again because... Outside of Luther, which just started back up on BBC America, shout out to Luther. If y'all haven't watched it, you gotta check it out. There, there's not really much for me to watch on television right now. It's a, it's a huge vacancy outside of whatever boxing is going on. So maybe that's what we'll do moving forward. I'll let you guys know in the weeks to come. But right before turning on HBO to watch Chernobyl for the very first time, I'm seeing this, is, and I picked up on the show late. 
I'm seeing all this talk about, oh, they got the new Batman now. So I'm like, all right. I've talked about DC, their kind of cinematic universe for a while and how it needs them to be shaken up. But I was like, whatever. They got a new Batman. I knew Ben Affleck. He got his whole thing going on. Bong. Cool. Let's see who it is. I don't know the brother's name, man. But it's the Batman from the Twilight movies. The real skinny, pale-looking Batman. And I don't know if he's pale in real life. I don't know. Maybe it's the makeup because he's playing a vampire. But that's all I've ever seen from him. I've never seen the Twilight movies. So I know I'm jumping out there on ignorance. But... The thing that blows me the most, like, I, I I don't know about his acting chops. You can't, like, to go from Christian Bale to this guy seems a bit nuts, right? Because Christian Bale's a big, tall, kind of strapping dude, and this guy just looks meek. But I didn't care, because Christian Bale also falls in line. Slim, why can't we get an American Batman, Joe? Why is, not only that. Why is every superhero of European descent now? Dead ass. And look, this isn't me being on some super Captain America patriotism joint. It's cool. I'm not. It's just my daughter is into the Harry Potter books and when she was younger. And now as she gets older, we're starting to watch some of the films. And I remember J.K. Rowling saying when they started making the movies, Harry Potter and all of his friends have to be, you know, European. They're not going to be an American. And I thought that was dope. I was like, good for her. She made these creative, she's created these characters. She want these, she wants these people to represent where she's from. You know, we as Americans, we, we got this kind of, you know, the, the arrogance of Americans. Like, oh man, this is ours. We run this, yada, yada, yada. So I'm like, bong. Cool, I think that's dope. But now everybody, like Slim, they won't even give Idris James Bond. You know what I'm saying? And he's English, but he's black. So they're like, oh, we are sticking to the script. They're prerogative. I'm, this is not a discussion about needing a black James Bond. But Slim, flip it. Spider-Man, Batman, Superman. All these Bamas, all of them, they from Slim, the Star Wars characters. You feel me? Everybody, everybody that we create now is coming from Europe. Damn it. Slim, can we have somebody? Shout out to Black Panther. Dog, the day, the day that Black Panther comes out to be from, you know, England or Sweden or, or or France, dog, shut the whole damn thing down. I'm sick of it. I after Anthony slip after Anthony Joshua lost so Saturday, I was like, you know what? I can't do it anymore. I I, I trusted Chris Stops. You know, I did. He let me down. Trusted AJ. Let, let me down. I'm riding with Giannis. But everybody else, I don't know. I thought Jokic was going to the Western Conference Finals this year. He should have. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how much more trusting I could be for our brothers and sisters across the pond. We got a British Batman. The f 
Oh my goodness. And dog, it ain't just that. We let look at the first Fast and Furious. The very first one. Right? That joint was as American as you could get, all the way down to the cheesy. You know, just it was so bad. Now, Jason Statham just roughed the whole thing. He came through. We got a, a rock and Jason Statham movie. And damn near everybody in the film, outside of the Rock Samoan family, are from the UK. They roughed our most, one of our biggest and most successful franchises. In fact, they've done it to all of them. Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Fast and Furious, Star Wars, Dog, Wolverine. I don't think he was English. I don't know where, where, is, where, was, where was Hugh Jackman from. I don't know if he's English. Think he may be. But damn it, even if he's not, we know he ain't American. It's like, yo, who we we gotta make Meteor Man again? Shout out to Robert Townsend. You feel me? We we've been over backwards for these babies. And they scoff at us like, yo, hold us down with James Bond. He's still English. Nah, man, we we good. Oh. Yo. Dead ass. I, I'm trying to think of the next big superhero. I don't even know who they are anymore. You know what I'm saying? Thor. He's Australian, but still. Just be, they created a whole world, Asgard. They're like, nah, he, he ain't American. The fuck? You know what I'm saying? I don't even know. I mean, I guess. I guess I can't complain too much. Like I said, Black Panther is from an African country, a completely fictitious African country, and they got Thurgood Marshall and James Brown to play them. So you know what? Beggars can't be choosers. But this ain't even a black or white thing, damn it. You know? I'm on my hacksaw Jim Duncan tip, man. Give me some American superheroes, Joe. Damn. Everywhere you turn. All I see is Anthony Joshua now. You know what I'm saying? I'm taking, I'm taking my my wrath and my angst and my anger for Anthony Joshua, and I'm and I'm, and I'm placing it everywhere now. Dog, Batman, super scary. Dog, I look at this dude, and I'm like, I'd whoop Batman's ass. How are you, Batman, Joe? The game is all funny right now. The game is super funny right now. But I'm holding out hope, young. I'm holding out hope. Slim, think about everybody in Game of Thrones. All of them. They didn't give us one America. They go stupid hard in the UK. And I shout them out. I think it's dope that they go hard that hard. I'm just looking around like, yo, how is it that we can't? What, what are we doing? What are we doing? Keep it funky, man. They got a black Captain America now, but they picked the wrong... Whatever. I'm not hating on Anthony Mackie. Whatever. I, I was I was about to veer this somewhere else, but we ain't gonna do that right now because this is the end of episode 105. I believe 105 of the quarterly report. I want to thank each and every one of you all for rocking with me. It was a supersized edition. Couldn't have a guest this week. Didn't have time for halftime, but don't worry. Next week we'll be back at it. The standard episode that you guys love so much and that I love creating for you guys. So again, I want to thank each and every one of you all for listening. Remember, head on over to iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else 
that you listen to podcasts, download and subscribe and rate and review the show. I'd greatly appreciate it. Also, if you have anything that you want to hear from me, anything that you want to discuss or any topics that you disagree with me on, let me know. Hit me up on Twitter at quarterly show it's the end of the show man i I'm, I'm i'm trying to get to the finish line hit me up on twitter at quarterly show q u a r t e r l e e show or email me at quarterly report at gmail.com that's q u a r t e r l e e report at gmail.com y'all have an amazing week man enjoy the games this week and we'll be right back here next tuesday for another edition of the quarterly report